Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to the Racing Boys, and if you ain't listening to them, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love the Racing Boys. Like Mater says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know the funny thing about that is? The Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done! It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Todd Surprise running the show for us here at RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. And uh, my partner, Kirk Elliott, sitting right here next to me. Kirk, how about we've got a really good show lined up today. We've got Dason, uh, Dason Persley. He's going to, he came out of the D main and ended up running fourth in the A main on, on Saturday night. What do you think about that? Yeah, outside of uh, Logan Seabee being the winner of the event, I thought Dason Persley was the star of the show. Yeah, no I doubt. I mean, that, what an epic run through the alphabet soup to finish fourth in the A main. So we'll talk to him about it uh, here in just a little bit. And, 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 you know, I'm not so sure that he might not have won that race if it wouldn't have rubbered up a little bit there at the end of that race. Well, I'm not ready to say that. Uh, you still got to run, outrun Logan Seabee and Buddy Kofoid. I'm not ready to say he would have done that. Could he have gotten by Corey Day for third? That's possible. But, no, I'm not ready to say he would have outrun either CB or Kofoid for the win. But still, fourth place finish after where he started in the D main. He started an incredible show. Kirk, he started 20th. He ended up running fourth. Yeah. Uh, if the track doesn't rubber up, I believe that he has a chance to win that race because it, it was obvious he was the fastest car on the racetrack. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, for Chad Boat. Uh, that was an epic performance mm -hmm. by Dason Persley, coming from a guy that uh, we almost lost here a couple of years ago. If you remember, he was in that terrible crash in Arizona a couple of years ago, and they were wondering if he'd even walk again. Right. Uh, survived that e event and came back, and to do what he did on Saturday night will be something we'll talk about for a long, long time. But the real star of the show is Logan Seabee, who we tried to get on today's show, but he's tied up today. I did get an interview with Logan after the races. We'll hear from him in just a little bit. Uh, and we'll record an interview with Logan later in the week. We'll probably play that on Saturday. So, But we've got an interview from I, I Saturday was, night. I was just going to say that we're probably going to get him on Wednesday or Thursday yeah. and record that interview, and then we'll probably play it on Saturday as well. Um, Logan Seavey goes back-to-back. -back. Kirk, what do you think about that? Uh, just an incredible performance uh, from a guy that uh, since a year ago when he won his first Chili Bowl and he had a tremendous 2023 season with Abacus uh, because Kevin Swindell only fields midgets one time a year, and that's for the Chili Bowl. So he wins for Kevin Swindell a year ago, go drives the Abacus car, uh, to a championship in the USAC National Midget Series. 
He won Indiana Sprint Week. He swept the four crown nationals at Eldora. First time that's happened since Kyle Larson did it. Right. And won some big races throughout the year. And I think a year ago's Chili Bowl win propelled him to where he is now. And here's a guy that struggled for a number of years. Everybody talked about his talent for the whole time he's been racing. But he struggled for a while. And momentum is a big thing. And confidence coming from success is a big thing. And Lugan Seedy right. has taken advantage of all of that right now. Scott, you know, when he won the pole for the pole shuffle, drew the number one, I thought at that moment, how can he beat this guy? Buddy Kofoit felt that he he led a lap, and he thought that he ran one complete lap, and then they took it back from him after he passed for the lead. What do you think about that, Kurt? He got the lead, as you pointed out, uh, made the move on Logan Seavey, and how many other times are you going to get that opportunity? But lucky for Logan Seavey and bad luck for Buddy Kofoid, they didn't complete that lap. And I didn't, even though he was halfway down the back straightaway when he uh, when the yellow came out, I don't blame him for thinking that, you know, maybe he should have been put out front. But they said his transponder wasn't working right. So they stopped him. That only confused the situation. Well, I, 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 I'm not sure. If they had a transponder issue, then they had a transponder issue. They have to fix that in order to score the race. Yeah. They have to fix that. But I can understand why Buddy was frustrated at that point. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't think he had completed. I think all the cars have got to complete the lap, do they not, before they count it? So it was pretty immediate that they were going to put him back in second place on the restart. But well, I, 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 you know me personally, I was kind of pulling for Buddy Kofoit. And, and the reason I say that is is that Buddy Kofoit would have been on our show today. He, he, he would have been on our show today if, if we would have reached out to him. There's no doubt about that. I still did get a, an interview from Buddy. We'll hear from him later in the show. Uh, but, you know, Logan's a good guy. He was just tied up today so we'll get him all right we'll, 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 we'll so, so you you've got an interview that you did with logan cv did you? i did mm -hmm. so let's hear from him. he'd been sick for a number of days this week but he right. felt the best he'd felt all week on saturday and here is logan cv following his second straight chili bowl victory uh honestly i didn't think it would rubber that quickly um but I think the top was just so treacherous that it had so many cars, so many cars down there, and then it gets clean and, and rubbers, and um, just part of it, you know. That's you just got to know when it's coming and, and find it and move move when it comes. But yeah, just just uh, not super surprising, honestly. I was talking to Buddy before the race and kind of said, you know, how how many laps in until it until it rubbers? Because I didn't I didn't think they did enough to the racetrack. Um, but yeah, it's just part of it, right? You live and learn, and and they'll, they'll try again next year. The track was unbelievable for five five of six days. Just sucks that uh, sucks that the big one uh, takes takes rubber like that. After Friday night and that move you had for the win, and then drawing the number one, did at that point did you think, hey, this is my weekend? 
Yeah, certainly helps, right? You know, I think I've won three prelims, and I've been pretty fortunate with the draw. I think I've got the one twice and, and the two once, so um, no complaint on, on the draw there. It seems to do me do me good favors and um, certainly helps when you can start on the front row of this race. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously the, the top – three or uh, you know the top three started in the first two rows so uh really important today with with how quickly the track kind of went to the bottom but um yeah he's got a this that's what this race is about right putting yourself in position all week to be up front on saturday and uh that's what everyone over here did you and buddy's starting on the front row just kind of talk about that battle to begin yeah it's awesome right buddy's um one of my one of my best friends uh, in the world and to come here to this building and there's 370 guys you know racing with each other uh for me and him to be on the front row is uh, one of the coolest things in the world. So, um, like I said, it sucks. Sucks what happened to him. I feel like, um, you know, he passed me and uh, they put, put put me back ahead of him, which obviously is great for me. But um, uh, sucks sucks for him. This is a this is a tough race to win, and uh, I feel like you know he probably thinks he put himself in, in a spot where he should have won, or you know should at least had a lot better shot, been out front, and um, probably feels like he got taken away from him and probably probably right so um yeah it sucks sucks like i said to, to win and to win in the rubber and then to win with maybe some controversy but um the driller sure feels good you won this you were standing here a year ago you won this race and everything that happened in 2023 you've been at this a while you feel that hey this is this is living the good life right now sure is right this is this is as good as it gets uh for, for any racer um, to be winning this many races at a time. But um, that's how racing goes, right? I, I had a great, like, 2018, and then from 2019 to 2022, I was, um, yeah, and just pretty pretty average. Um, so you got to take take the highs when you can and, and you know, keep them, keep them as long as you can because they don't last forever. I talked to Kevin the other night. Nobody knows more about winning back-to-back here at the Chili Bowl than he does. He said the mind is a big part of this confidence yep that's everything in racing you know uh it's hard really really hard to get confidence and really really easy to lose so uh like i said when you when you're on the high you, you just ride it and um yeah you uh you just got to take it when you can because it doesn't last forever but um you know it's here for now so we're gonna we're gonna ride it as long as we can you ran a lot of laps of green flag tonight working lap traffic how difficult was that yeah it was tough you know the track was really really tricky there for the first 25 laps and uh curb got huge right up on the wall and uh, it's tough to not make mistakes when it's like that i, I was making a, a few and i really honestly wasn't super super happy with my car there um was trying to make adjustments as as we were going but had a long green flag run honestly and uh makes it tough but you just try to try to run as consistent laps as you can and buddy kind of got to me for a minute but i uh, picked the pace back up a little bit and, and feel like i got away for a while and and then just waited for the rubber to come and when it did, it just uh, what what's going through your mind at that moment? Yeah, at that point, it's just don't don't uh, give it away. You know, it's pretty pretty hard to pass in the rubber, and um, you're pretty much sitting good as long as nothing goes wrong. Um, you know, it's really like I said, it's hard to pass in the rubber. You don't see many many of them pass in the rubber, and uh, as long as you just keep your car down down around the berm, uh, that's that's what you're gonna get. So it's it sounds like uh, both. Logan Seabee and Buddy Kofoid knew that they had to make something happen early in the race. And, you know, twice Buddy was able to get in front of you. Remember the original reason, right. the original start <laughs> of the race, Buddy got out in front and then the yellow came out. They had to do a complete restart. And that time Logan 
was able to get out in front, but Buddy made his move early. He knew he had to. Both these guys knew, based on what they saw them do to the racetrack and prep work, Scott, uh, that it was going to rubber, rubber down. It sounded like to me that Logan felt like Buddy had the lead at one point during that race. It, it, at the point where they had the transponder issue, he felt that he had the lead right there. He did, yeah. and uh, you know we'll hear from Buddy a little bit later in the show. He was pretty frustrated by that, and and I can understand why he was because what well, was he more than halfway down the back straightaway when that yellow came out? Right. So I think he thought that the but the rule is that all the field has got to cross the start finish line to complete that lap. Isn't that right? I, I'm not sure of that, Kirk. You're speaking on behalf of the chili bowl and and i'm not sure of that to be honest with you it, it i would think that if the leader takes the start finish line after leading one lap i would think that lap would would be official i would think and that turned out to be the race right there right because there, you know once you pass logan cb one time you know, as great a driver as Logan Seavey is, you're probably not going to get another shot at it, right? Because you, right. you've already shown him something yeah. there that it was going to really be tough for Buddy to make that happen again. And it was. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, So, Corey Day, he ends up running third. It, it, this kid is an amazing talent, this kid is. And, and you think about uh, uh, on the front row, uh, Logan Seavey, he started second. Buddy Kofoid started first. Corey Day started fourth. Hank Davis started fifth. The only one that's in there is Dason Persley, and he started 20th, and he worked his way up to fourth. And he was doing it on the high side. Right. As he was doing during the C and the B main, ripping the lip up on the high side to make moves. And really, that race car by Dason Persley was good on both the bottom and the top. That's why he was able to uh, move past so many cars. You couldn't just do it on the high side. You also had to make some things happen on the bottom, which Persley was able to do. Really, not many other guys were that versatile on both the bottom and the top as uh, the 86 of Dason Persley. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um so you picked Logan Seavey to win the race. I picked you? Betty Kofoid to win. You did? Yeah. Remember? Oh, I don't I, I don't remember that. Todd picked Spencer Baston to win, but unfortunate for Spencer Baston, he flipped it during the pole shuffle qualifying. The second time that Baston had got upside down this week. The first one was in practice day on Sunday, and then he flipped it in qualifying. They had to do a lot of work on Spencer Baston's car to get it ready to go for the A main. Yeah, no doubt. Who did you – you picked uh, Logan, did you? No, no, I picked uh, Buddy Kofoid. You picked Buddy, too. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought Buddy was going to be the – I too. I, I just thought he was going to be the guy to beat. Um, starting on the pole, I figured that he was definitely the guy to beat. Wouldn't you figure that as yeah. much? The reason I – the main reason I picked Buddy, of course, it was going to be really too easy to pick Logan Seavey after everything that he had done. He'd won the race of champions on Monday night. He came out and made that slider for the lead on Friday night for the win. 
and then he draws the number one for the pole shuffle, which guaranteed that he would start no worse than the outside front row of the A main. Yeah, no doubt. Too easy to pick Logan Seavey, but I just thought Buddy Kofoid, after what happened to him a year ago, didn't make the A main because he got caught up in uh, a lap car uh, getting in a crash in last year's preliminary main, wasn't able to make the A main. He wins Tuesday night's preliminary race, and I just thought it was Keith Coons Motorsports in Victory Lane this year. I, I thought Ryan Timms had a good chance to win that race uh, when Logan Seavey won. Yeah. D- didn't you figure that? He ran – Ryan Timms ran a great preliminary on he Friday did. night. Right. And he did a good job of making sure if he was going to get passed by Logan to, you know, solidify that second spot and get himself transferred into the A, which he did. But as it turned out on Saturday night, Ryan Timms uh, didn't have – quite as fast a race car as either CB or yeah, Buddy Kofoid. Uh Spencer Baston, he, he picked up the win um, the two previous nights before Thursday that. Night. Yeah, Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. beat Tanner Thorson to the, to the line on Thursday night. I thought Tanner would be a little bit quicker than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, Tanner had some issues. He didn't even finish the eight main, right? They rolled him up the ramp and wasn't even able to finish. So he had some issues on Saturday night. Uh, but uh, Tanner, you know, who won this race two years ago. Kirk, he, he ran second. On Friday night. On Thursday night, he Thursday ran second. Night, yeah. But I'm talking about Saturday night. He wasn't able to right. finish. He started fourth on his qualifying night and ended up running second. That's right. And Chase Johnson was third. Yeah. So just to recap. Uh, on Monday night, you had Tanner Carrick and Shane Golubic transferring out. Tuesday night, it was Buddy Kofoid and second-place finisher Hank Davis, who I thought had a good chili bowl again this year. Uh, and, and Buddy never even knew that Hank Davis was behind him, did he? Yeah, but you and I are questioning that. In, in lap traffic before that yellow flag came out, he, he was on him. And he, he never. He said he never heard his motor back there. Right. This was the Tuesday night qualifying night. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He he did. He claimed he didn't hear him back there. We played that interview on Saturday morning, but Hank Davis was there. But once the yellow flag came out, Buddy was able to kind right. of stretch it out after that on Tuesday night. And Wednesday night, it was Corey Day and Jake Swanson, your Mm -hmm. two drivers that transferred out. Thursday night, Spencer Baston and Tanner Thorson. And then uh, Friday night, it was Logan Seavey and Ryan Timms. So those were the uh, 10 drivers that ran the pole shuffle, the time trials for the uh, setup for the A main. And uh, Spencer Baston was the one guy that didn't fare well in the pole shuffles we talked about, got upside down. For the second time this week, had to do a lot of repairs on that car to get it fixed, uh, but was able to get himself uh, out there for the A main. But to, you kind of wonder if you have to do yeah. uh, work on the frame of that car and do a lot of welding. How's that going to handle after that? It's it, probably not very good. It, typically, sometimes when you bend a frame, the car handles a little bit better. Yeah. But not in this case. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. More of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. When we come back, Jason Persley is going to join us here. He qualified, he started in the D, and he ended up running 
fourth in the A main. We're going to talk to him next right here on Mostly Motorsports. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. 
Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I'm in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's right here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Joining us now is Jason, Jason Persley, the guy that put on the show at the Chili Bowl this this year. And, uh, man, it, it was really close between you and uh, Jerry Coons Jr. in that final qualifying race in that C-Main, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a little little too close for my comfort for sure. But um, yeah, we were just talking about it last night with all the guys and everything. I was almost uh, one corner away from from not running uh, P4 in the big show. So uh, yeah, last night or two nights ago, I guess everything just uh, just worked out in our favor, and we were able to to pick up uh, a lot of positions in the qualifying races and um, set ourselves up for a pretty good finish uh, overall come Saturday night. Yeah. No doubt, you started 20th, you ended up running 4th, you were ripping the top. Tell us about the top, and, and and then finally the rubber set in a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. the the, the track prep was a little bit different this year with just the tire, and, and overall they've done such a great job, you know, earlier in the week and uh, leading up to Saturday, they were doing such a you know great job on the track, so uh, I think they just kind of underestimated the, the track prep a little bit, which is which is fine, right? Um, it just kind of happens that way, and uh, it's a it's a job that I would never want to have is working a racetrack like that no and doubt. on the stage of uh, of a chili bowl. So um, I think they've done a phenomenal job all day, and especially all week. They uh, they gave us really really fun racetracks to race on as a driver and, and passable racetracks, and uh, that's what it takes at an event like that. And then just come Saturday, I honestly think if they prep the track how they usually do, I don't. I don't really make it up to fourth or, or even in the top 10, maybe that fast as fast as I did Right. come Saturday night in the main event, just because of, I was able to kind of catch people by surprise on the top. And then when the rubber came in, I was one of the first to find that, you know, kind of mid pack. So 
everything just kind of worked out to my favor Saturday night, and we were able to, to end up uh, fourth. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you had a car capable of winning the race at, at that point before the rubber set, set in? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just very, very hard to tell, right? You're just you're passing a lot of good guys, no matter if you're passing somebody for 19th at the Chili Bowl. You're passing somebody who earned a right. earned a position in in the big dance, and um, it's it's just so hard to tell, like if you had the raw speed to do it or if you didn't. But um, you know, my confidence was pretty high all day after passing some really good cars and leading up to the future. It was just all about having fun, right? You got the nerves off of you, the stress. You made the big show, and uh, it's just out there having fun, and that's. That's kind of what I felt like I was able to do and, and why I kind of drove so well and could kind of just, you know, care less if I made a mistake or whatever. I was just out there out there racing and having fun. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I had a, a really, really, really good car. I just uh, just uh, started too far back, I guess you could say, and then the rubber come in and it just kind of got locked down, hard to pass on the bottom. But um, that's just how it goes sometimes. And uh, when the rubber came in, I think Logan and them were a little bit quicker than me in the rubber, but – um, once I got to fourth, I was kind of still pacing Corey and, and could kind of catch him still in different areas. So, um, it'd be, it'd be really hard to tell. I kind of used up my stuff getting to fourth. So I think, uh, if the race doesn't take rubber or anything, I don't know if I, uh, catch up to Logan or buddy, but, um, I think, uh, I think I could have got third for sure. What do you, what lap did the rubber set in? Uh, I think it was like 20 to go. So it'd be like mm, around lap 30. Mm-hmm. I think about 35, the rubber kind of came in, and that was right when I kind of got to, I think it was fifth, and then I got by Hank Davis in the rubber. So, so yeah, probably around lap 30, I would say. Uh, both Logan and uh, Buddy talked about before the race began, they watched the track prep very carefully, as I'm sure you did, that they saw that it was going to rubber, that they had to make something happen early in the race. Did you have that same kind of mindset? You know uh, as those two guys did, what the track was eventually going to do? Uh, it's just it's just kind of uh, hard to tell. It, it, we definitely knew that there was going to be rubber, but it just kind of didn't know what lap it was going to lock down and finally take. Um, you know, it's just it's just hard to tell, right? Like Chili Bowl and, and everyone did a phenomenal job with the track prep and the new tire and everything, and everyone was just kind of just new to it. And we haven't really seen rubber all year long with this new tire that we have to run with USAC and everything, and um i don't know it's just uh it's just hard to tell i just i just knew if they uh kind of work the track like they usually do where the first 20 or 25 are kind of locked down around the bottom i don't think i catch a lot of those people by surprise of how fast the top came in right and then how fast the rubber came in as well so um yeah i don't i don't feel like i had a game plan of to you know find the rubber first or anything like that i was just kind of racing the track and then I went down there to pass somebody on the bottom, and I was like, oh, you know, that, that felt like rubber. And then I got down there and settled in and, and could kind of find my mojo down there and just uh, just hit it a couple laps earlier than a lot of other people did in the back. Hey, what do you think about the tire, the, the compound change this year from last year? It was a little bit softer last year. It was a little bit harder this year. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it makes the racing better for sure. We've seen it all year long, like on the USAC stuff that uh, – it just kind of made the racing a little bit better, I think, and um, just kind of it, it helps in different areas and it can hurt you as well. And I, and I think it really, really helped the the Chili Bowl for track prep and in different reasons. I think it kind of just helped them overall, and uh, I think it'll be a, a good deal here coming in the new, near future. 
What happened on your qualifying night to put you in the D main? We just we just weren't very very good at all. Um, just struggled and uh, made the show and started tenth and then ended up finishing sixteenth and really nothing happened to us. We just uh, me and, and everyone at CB Industries we kind of just were um, struggling um, really at the end of the night of really what just happened. We we didn't think we were that far off and I didn't feel that you know terrible. Um, the results just didn't show and, and didn't improve through the night, and we just kind of got a little worse. And uh, Chad Boat and everyone kind of went to work on my car and, and got me really, really comfortable come Saturday and um, just gave me a really, a really, really good race car that could kind of move around and kind of do whatever I wanted. So um, I think we hit on something for sure, and, and I'm excited to, to get back to Chili Bowl next year. I kind of wish it was uh, next week that we could get back inside that building. <laughs> no doubt about that. What changes did you make to the race car between the D, C, and B mains? Uh, not not much, really. Um, I think, I mean, we we put a new set of tires on for the C main, and then actually we kind of just uh, ran the same set of tires all the way up to the feature and then ran the same, set of, ran the same right rear uh, in the feature as well. So with that spec tire, I feel like that's something that you can do, and um, it's something that it, it can either hurt you if you try that gamble or, or it can help you. And I just think... Uh, I just think we hit on something with the groove pattern and a little bit of everything on that right rear to to help benefit us. And um, it just uh, everything just kind of worked into our favor Saturday with the cautions and with people who I was racing with and the track prep and everything. And um, just uh, couldn't have uh, had a better Saturday at Chili Bowl there. The, the, the cushion was pretty gnarly this this week, wasn't it? It was pretty big, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was really really big, and, and I think Logan kind of touched on that in in one of his interviews. Of um, the cushion was just so big that that's kind of why people tend to go back to the bottom, and that might be a reason why it rubbered up so fast on the bottom is just because the the top is just so hard and critical to run that that if you don't really feel comfortable up there, you're just kind of going to migrate to the bottom just because it's just a more consistent way around the racetrack. And then when more people are down there, it kind of cleans off and then eventually takes rubber. And um, that, that might've been a reason why, why the track took rubber a little bit sooner than people were thinking is just because how hard the top was to run and, it, and how inconsistent it was with your race car and everything. Cause no matter how perfect you get your race car up there, you're right. still going to have moments where you struggle up there and it's just kind of hard to run. It just takes a, takes a lot to hit it right every lap. And, and I think that's why uh, we kind of seen the seen the bottom come into play with uh, rubber that early in the race. Right. So when when you go through one and two, there's a little bit of a dip right up there by the wall, and and it seems like to me when people hit that dip, their car wheelies up a little bit. It, it, did you deal with that any? Uh, no, I, I actually didn't deal with that um, as much as I've seen other people and. Um, I think it's just kind of how the way the, the track was and how they kept on reworking it and tilling it right there and, and trying to get that, that hole a little bit better. But my car was just so consistent through there that I really didn't have a, have a problem getting through there uh, like, like everybody else did. But, um, yeah, it just goes to show how good Chad and everyone got me comfortable in the 86 car. Uh, you ran a lot of green flag laps, long stretch of green flag racing there in that A main. How much of an effect do you think that had? on the rubber uh i don't know it's, it's, it's just very very kind of hard to tell of of what really and, and why it took rubber that fast um people you know have a lot of different opinions about that and everything and like i said earlier it's, it's a job that i definitely 
don't want to have at all is, is working the racetrack and stuff for a big event like that. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, there was one, you know, long green flag run there where I was picking off cars quite a bit. So it worked off. It worked out in my favor. Of course, I didn't want to see any yellows, uh, at all. And then, uh, we got down to it and then we had, you know, two yellows in the rubber. And, uh, when it's rubber racing like that, I feel like if you get a long green flag run is, is when you're going to be all right. And you can kind of just uh, mellow out and, you know, nobody's just going to be on your bumper or do something silly but when restarts come out you know that uh any of that stuff could happen yeah you know i want to call out the track crew too they work very hard and that many laps inside the sage net center for the shootout and the chili bowl and we're talking about the last 15 laps of the a main they really did a great job all week long there was some great yeah, racing no going doubt on, about wasn't it. there yeah. hey uh let's step back just a little bit are you fully recovered from that horrifying wreck out in Arizona a couple of years ago. That was, I mean, for you to come back from that and do what you're doing now, that is, uh, that that was really pretty terrifying. Are you fully recovered from that? Uh, I don't I don't think that I can ever get uh, back to 100%, you know, once, like I was once before the accident. But um, it's kind of just what I tell everybody else. This is, this is kind of my new 100%. Um, my left hand and, and stuff still doesn't work great, but um, once I get inside the race car and everything, I don't I don't notice any problems that I had since the accident or anything. It's more of just uh, fine motor stuff. Like if I ever want to go pick up a penny or a quarter or remote or just like snap my fingers with my left hand, it just uh, it just all doesn't work that great. So um, just uh, just everything I had going on, I'll, I'll definitely take uh, just my left hand not working a little bit and and forever blessed for the opportunity that I've got to still drive a race car and still have the movement I do in my body. So, uh, yeah, I like, like I said, I'm still not a hundred percent like I once was, but, um, I think this is about the best I'll get for the, for the rest of my life. So I, uh, I like to call it my new hundred percent. They got you in the right facilities in the right places after that happened, didn't they? I mean, to get you recovered from that, everything, uh, that they, they, would they take you to a facility in Georgia? Was it or whatever, but, uh, that the recovery from that, that they got you in the right spot places didn't they yeah yeah it was just the right place right time everything worked out in in my favor and uh it was just uh people like to call it a miracle and um yeah it's uh it's nothing short of that the doctors that worked on me at arizona in that hospital and then uh got me to a rehab center shepherd center in atlanta georgia and um they're uh they're second to none they're probably one of the best rehab centers for for brain and spinal cord damage like that and uh, they got me fixed up right, and I just met a lot of, a lot of cool people, a lot of interesting people, and a lot of people that played a huge impact in in my uh, uh, everything that just kind of worked up. So, so it was, it was great, and uh, everything just uh, seemed to to work out in my favor for sure. Hey, you know, I I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, JJ Yaley made a good run through. I think it was the F Main, wasn't it? Yeah, at, at that day. And what you did is remarkable, what you did from the D-Main. Um, you you, you got to feel really happy about that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm extremely happy with with everything that went on Saturday night. And it, it's hard to be you know not happy. But when you get that close to winning the Chili Bowl, it's right. like, you, you just want a little bit more, of course. So um, I wish I could have walked out of there with a little golden driller. But um, nonetheless, it was, a, it was a really cool run Saturday and, and forever thankful for for everything that happened Saturday night. 
What lies ahead in 2024? What do you got coming up? Yeah, so I'm going to run the uh, 21AZ USAC non-wing sprint car full-time. Uh, and then they also built a uh, Silver Crown car as well, dirt Silver Crown car. So I'm going to try my hand at that and see if I can uh, see if I can run up front in a couple of Silver Crown races on the Miles and Belleville and Eldora and all that. And then uh, don't have don't know don't have my midget schedule figured out yet. So uh, hopefully I'll get that figured out here in the near future and can announce my plans uh, for the midget stuff. Are, are you going to run the pavement races in the Silver Crown car as well? No, uh, I don't. I don't have any opportunities to run the pavement stuff. I would love to, of course, and, and hope I can find something. But um, as of right now, no, I don't have anything. Uh, anything lined up for the pavement stuff? Just, just the dirt stuff. I'll tell you what. Uh, the way that race went at Belleville last year in the Silver Crown, I'm not missing that this year. That's for that was epic, and sure, you're going to be a part of that this year. At Belleville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be at Belleville, and then I think they just announced another one in Kansas as well that uh, I think will be pretty exciting as well. But uh, nonetheless, it's going to be really, really cool to, to go race at Belleville, and just all the history and stuff there is uh, is second to none. So I'm excited to be a part of that one. Jason, uh, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. We can't thank you enough for doing so. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Great going. Thank you. There you have it, Jason Persley. Man, what what a great run. I, I feel like, to be honest with you, in my eyes, I feel like that he had a chance to win that race if the, the rubber didn't take down. And he said the rubber come in about lap 30. That's another 25 laps. I think that maybe he had a chance to win that race. I agree with him that I think he might have gotten around Corey Day. I'm just not ready to say that he would have passed Buddy and Logan in that race. But still, what he accomplished is going to be remembered for a long time. I mean, yeah. we're still talking about what J.J. Yaley did right? No all doubt. that many years ago. This might even top what J.J. did. No, I, I I'm not gonna put uh, I'm not gonna put that in the same category because JJ came out of the F main, yeah. If you remember right, and he worked his way all the way through there, and uh, either way, we're gonna be talking about this for no a doubt. long time. No doubt about it. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, our old buddy Scotty Cook's gonna join us here on. Uh, mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back in a moment with more Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. You have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network, and it's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining me now is a twin brother from a different mother, as he would say. Um, old Scotty Cook joins us now. Hey, Scotty, how you doing, bud? How you doing, old bud? I'm hanging in there, trying to uh, get back to normal. What 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 did you feel like? Um, uh, you know, we we just had Dason Dason personally on, and he came from twentieth all the way up to fourth place. He came out of the D main. Um, I'm not so sure that maybe he might have had the fastest car on the racetrack. What do you think, Scotty? I think that that young man is a phenomenal talent. And I think that he is an amazing young human being to boot. And um, I was disappointed, you know. I, I well, I was I was ha- very very happy for his drive and his effort. Just, I was just disappointed when it ended, like everyone else. You know, he's got he's so popular, and he's got so many fans, and he's loved by so many. It was just kind of a it just it just sucked a little bit that he when it when his run ended and I agree I thought that he had an amazing piece and uh, he he just it just ended yeah like you know it just ended so I, I just I'm very proud of him and I can't say enough about how much of a great young man he is and what a what a true spirit um, obviously he's got that oomph inside of him that keeps him go, going forward every day to make him not only a phenomenal wheel man, but, uh, you know, we're all fully aware of the history of what he went through to where he is today. And, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of willpower and intestinal fortitude to fight a battle that he has fought in the last three or four years. And what a blessing uh, to the young man that we get to enjoy watch drive a race car for all of us. You know, he's, I just can't say enough about it, let alone him, but his folks are outstanding people as well. Right. Let, let me ask you this, Scotty. Do you feel like that Dason, uh, he might've had a pro might've had a chance to win that race. Um, was, Kirk said that he thought he had a chance to get around Corey day, but do you think he had enough for Buddy Kofoid and Logan Seavey? Not given um, the way the track transitioned and, and rubbered down, had he been able to um, get up onto the the point a little bit earlier, uh, had a had a you know, obviously it was a phenomenal drive through the field through both comps or DC. What'd you say? D I think, right. Where he came from. Come out of the D main. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, to have a run like that, 
and then to make your way up through the field. But the way the track transitioned and and rubbered, um, if you noticed, uh, past the 25-lap point, there really was not a lot of moving and shaking and, and transitioning. So, no, I don't think that he could have gotten around to get to the lead. Uh, maybe if he'd have put, put a bumper on uh, Corey Day, but, you know, I mentioned to Corey Day in the post-race interview, <clears throat> it was walking the park for him. He he settled in and never was contested for his uh, thir- for his third spot throughout the whole race. And so um, it it was a, so no, I don't I don't it would have taken a small a bolt of lightning to get him up to the point. Um, it would have taken a bumper to move. Corey out of his lane to get around him because you know right. once that track transitioned you know you went there was not much maneuvering and 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 in order to get around anyone you were going to have to put a big bumper on them and and obviously that's not the way you're supposed to do it but when the track gets to that uh measure that's what you have to do to get around somebody but you know it's a it's a it's a matter of how much you want something and how much you are willing to hurt somebody's feelings to sacrifice somebody else's feelings for your betterment. Well, I think the the way you asked the question, Scott, is if the track hadn't rubbered down and had been oh, like we'd yeah, seen no all doubt. week, would Dazen Pursley, could he have outrun CB or Kofoid or Day? if the track had not rubbered down uh, and, and was like what we saw all week long. And, and Scotty, Dason said also that the track rubbered down about lap 30. That gives you 25 uh-huh. more laps to run that race. And and and, and, and we, lo- we hate it when we see a rubber down racetrack, don't we? We do, but I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, there's, when you run 55 laps on that racetrack, that's already had thousands of laps on it already all day. Right, right. You know, it's uh, it's not an easy task to hit it just right. I mean, honestly, near impossible if you're going to run 55 laps on that racetrack, given all the tracks prior, to have a very racy surface. I mean, it's almost like, and I know the fans would probably jump up and down um, in disapproval if they ever did it, but it's almost as though they'd really need a halfway point like Knoxville does for their deal, you know, hey, the Nationals. Scotty, do you, think, do you think they need to shorten the race and not make it a 55-lap race, or, or do you think that they should just rework the racetrack a little bit during the intermission part of it? I mean, honestly, it's funny you ask because, well, I mean, the first thing that I think when, I, when you ask that is how we all felt when they chose to do that at Knoxville, you know, but they faced the same situation. And, and, and if you're going to run that many laps again, you, you got to do something or else you're going to have a, a merry-go-round. Right. And so my opinion on that is, I mean, when you ask, I think about when I, the, what I thought about when Knoxville did that. And I was kind of like everybody else. I was like, eh, you know, that's NASCAR racing. We don't do pit stops. We don't do breaks. But it was necessary. And now that, you know, 15-year, 10, I don't even know how long, I think the 50th annual, that's when Knoxville did that. And now we're all just used to it. And now 
it kind of adds an extra element of excitement into it all. So I think that my choice, even though Knoxville doesn't mess with the racetrack during the break, I think that my choice would be, yeah, keep it 55 laps, pull them in at lap 25, and do a little tickle and a little re rework on the on the on the surface. Not so much that it's going to be one lane lockdown, um, but yes, that that would be my vote. And I don't I don't know if we'd ever see that in that building, but I think it'd be awesome to just pull them all in lap twenty, lap twenty five, um, let them do what they want to do, and then. Um, we do our thing on our side and refreshing the racetrack and, you know, no less than about a five-minute break. I, I, that would be my vote. Uh, we must say this, Scotty, that David Gravel and his crew worked so hard all week and all but that A-Main, the racetrack was in great shape. We saw great racing all week long up until the last 20 laps of the A-Main. And it, I thought the guys did a great job. The Tulsa shootout was great. And every night of the Chili Bowl, and the only thing we're talking about is the last 15 laps of the A-Main. So, I mean, we must say that these guys really did a great job with trick prep all week long. Well, <clears throat> nothing different than in years past. Gravel and not David Gravel, but Brad Gravel. the uh, Brad Chandler. Track- Track overseas, Brad Chandler. I mean, him and Martin Edwards, <clears throat> those are two guys that don't get talked about enough because they're the two guys responsible for the entertainment value that people get to enjoy all week long when they go to the Chili Bowl. And, yes, you are right, Kirk. We're sitting here talking about, you know, rubber that came down on the second half of the race. That's rubber you're not going to be able to keep away from coming down. So, what an amazing job to back up your words yeah. they did. They always do. Uh, it's always been fascinating to me that particular racetrack, uh, let alone that it's hauled in by <clears throat> dump trucks and hauled out and uh, uh, built and molded, and then they got to tear it all apart and put it in the stockpile for uh, a year until it's ready to be used the next year. I don't think enough gets uh, – uh, Brad, uh, Brad Chandler and Martin Edwards don't get enough kudos because we saw this past week, if you let alone the last half of the A-Main event, we saw what we always see. We saw different racetracks. We saw racetracks that were not as maneuverable but yet still entertaining. We saw racetracks like most of us all love with a great big ledge around the the, the top built tapered all the way up to the top wall, a very, very racy bottom. Uh, we saw that all week long, and we saw different racetracks, and that was nothing different that we see year in and year out um, with that surface. And that particular surface, it's uh, well, not just the track, it's always been fascinating to me how maneuverable and how quick it is to, to tickle it, sprinkle it, and flip it and refreshing it. And that that even backs my, my previous, you know, our previous topic up about whether we would like to to see that happen, you know, uh, a, a little halfway point. I mean, that even backs my statement up even a little bit more. 
as maneuverable as that racetrack is, uh, such that you can flip it, sprinkle it, tickle it so quickly and run cars down off the ramp and have a, a decent track again, uh, yes, I, I I think that those two guys are not given enough credit, and I think we saw an outstanding racetrack like we see each and every year, except for the last 15 laps of the main event. And trust me on this, no one feels worse than Martin and Brad Chandler about what happened on Saturday night. You can rest yeah, assured again, that no Kirk, one feels worse about that than those two guys. I know, but I think, you know, I mean, of course they feel bad, but they did everything that they, I don't know what else you can do. No. To, you're, you're not going to avoid having rubber lay down on the racetrack, no matter what you do to it. When you run that many laps on it and it's already had that many previous laps, really, you have one or two options to avoid it. You either shorten the race or you make a little halftime to refresh in it. Yeah, no doubt. Scott, Scotty, we can't thank you enough for being on the show today. We've got Trenton Barry coming up. He's He was down at the Wild West shootout, and we're going to have him on yeah, next. Stomping grounds in Votto? Yep, at Votto. Good deal. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I appreciate both of you also stopping in and being part of my program down there and it was a big help being able to help me uh, kick that thing off. And real quickly, before I get out of here, I want you guys to uh, let me, as you always do, acknowledge these uh, wonderful supporters that were with me for both events, Racecraft, Oswegan Speedway, Duvall Electric, Tire, Pl Tire Pros, and uh, always my fine folks at Impact Signs, Awnings, and Wraps. Um, you know, obviously we can't can't do any of it without good help, and they were all there with me for that. And then KMB Racing, Laramie Crane, some uh, shootout supporters alongside of uh, Sweet Springs Motorsports Complex, and there were others as well. So I'm just grateful always for good support, and I'm always grateful that you guys have allowed me to uh, acknowledge those folks and let people know that uh, you can't do this without good support. So always grateful for them and always grateful for my Dearest friends in the world, racing boys. I can't let you go, Scotty. Real quickly, your thoughts about Logan Seabee winning his second straight. Well, I thought that I thought going in that he was the, the most solid candidate to do so. Uh, I, I, I felt bad for Buddy Kofoid uh, having to uh, lose his spot after he had to pull in and get a transponder changed because that would have changed up the whole deal, I believe, uh, because it, uh, Buddy was able to get around Logan. And, you know, being the leader in a race that long makes a big difference, especially when you're talking about the track surface changing. So um, I believe that Logan CV could come in and repeat because, you know, you look down the – the list of past champions of that, that race um, from its history, it comes in clusters. I mean, you, you talk about Sammy Swindell, like the names of Sammy Swindell, Kevin Swindell, um, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson. When you look down the past history of champions, um, they come in clusters. So you come in there and you get on a roll and you figure something out about that place. You know that you uh, stand a good chance of doing the same thing the next year as a defending champion, and that's just what he did. And 
And I would say he would be a great odds-on to do it again next year. I mean, history repeats itself, and if you take one look at the at the history of the Chili Bowl champions, that's that's just what you see. Uh, Buddy Kofoy, I do believe, will be our next Chili Bowl champion once uh, once once uh, well, once the dethronement is uh, once we're able to de- dethrone Logan Seavey. Logan Seavey, excuse me. Yep, no doubt, Scotty. All right, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports Great today. job down there. Good job, thank buddy. Thank you guys so much. When am I going to see you at the C-Dip? Um, I, I'm, not uh, sure. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to the C-Dip this year. <laughs> All right. All right, well, you keep me posted. All right, I you will. You drive careful, Scotty. All right, Scotty. We'll I see. certainly will. I can't get down there in that Florida sunshine soon enough. You guys be well, take care. And tell my old boy Trent and Barry I said hi. All right, we'll do it. All right. Be well, guys. There you have it. There There, you go. There you got Scotty Cook. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Trent and Barry is going to join us from the Wild West Shootout. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod M. Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod M. Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod M. Supply is an assortment of Rod M's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod M. Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodmsupply.com. M Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod M Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod M Supply is an assortment of Rod M's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod M Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodmsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod M Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod M Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod M Supply is an assortment of Rod M's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod M Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodmsupply.com. 
Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Joining us now is a good friend of the Racing Boys. Um, he was out at the Wild West shootout, and uh, Kyle Larson picks up the final night. Trenton Berry joins us now from RacingDirt.com. Trenton, how you doing? Hey, good. Good afternoon. I'm uh, I'm good. So. Listen, Bobby Pierce just dominated the entire week, didn't he? Really, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Cade, Cade got the first one, and then um, Bobby got the next four, and it looks, I mean, even, gosh, through the majority of that race last night, it looked like it was going to be Bobby's uh, $100,000 bonus to lose. And lo and behold, right there, uh, turn three and four wasn't real kind to him late in the race and knocked the tire down and, that was all she wrote. Kyle Larson restarted out front and rolled on to the win. I think he won close to two seconds there at the line. So it was a pretty exciting A-Main, um, all things considered, last night. And had a lot of uh, had a lot of different things happen in it for sure. That, right. that I don't know that, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody woke up yesterday morning going, uh, mm-hmm. hey, hey, this is uh, this is what I think probably probably got a good shot to happen. You know, it was kind of kind of a lot of unique things. How did Bobby Pierce cut his tire down? Did did he hit something? Did he cut it? Tell us a he little bit more said, about that. Yeah, so the thing was, it was torn up pretty good. Um, there wasn't just a little pinhole in it or something. I mean, it was pretty mangled when it came off the race car. And I was I was right down there in the, the pit when they were they were changing it. But he said the best he could figure, probably 
probably got it, something up in the berm of the racetrack. And, you know, they'd race there for six days, so there was a lot of uh, debris. Parts, pieces, braces, you know, just things that you do your best to get everything. But And I never I never saw exactly what it was, to be honest. So it's kind of like speculation. Um, I don't I don't have a hard, fast answer. Hey, this is exactly what it was. So. Larson but it did thought, have, there was still like, there was still like tread on the tire, even though it was, was pretty minor. Larson thought maybe he might have caused that. He got up underneath of him there, but uh, no, that, uh, that was not Larson's fault there. So I started that victory lane interview, and I, and I know a Sunday night in New Mexico is not going to be a career defining night for Kyle Larson, and, I, and I'll never try to tell anybody it is. But what I can tell you from a lot of times I've talked to Kyle, he is so laser focused on basically conquering these dirt lake models. And, and he said it last night that he struggled more with this car to, to get what he felt, what he was looking for consistently out of these cars compared to anything he'd ever driven in his racing career. And I think that, um, I think that says a lot to be honest. And, um, so I just couldn't, I could tell that he kind of had that hitting the stomach feeling the way he was answering that first question. And so I don't usually jump in when somebody's talking, you know, especially like you you get your interviews with the points to hear from them. But I just wasn't going to let him sit there and apologize for something that I knew wasn't the case that that the flow crew had on video and had replayed. So I just felt like in that moment he deserved to know what had happened there. And I was kind of surprised. I I figured his crew had probably told him, but they, they, they hadn't said anything to him about it. So, um, he, he deserved that moment and he earned that moment. So, um, that's not something I typically do, but I, I felt in that circumstance, that was the right way to handle it. I, I don't know if it was the right way or not, but that's, that's the way I felt about it at the time. So our, our old buddy, Mike Marler, he, he ended up running second in the 157 car. Um, how far back was he from Larson? Um, yeah, he was he was a, a back quite a bit there at the end. I mean, I think it was close to two seconds. I don't remember the exact gap. But Kyle Kyle ran unchallenged from the restart, and and what was what was wild was you know Kyle talked about it in his interview too. They really Bobby and Kyle really kind of race a lot the same in, in those race cars, and you know Kyle just went right right up to the top once he had a clean track, and he attacked the cushion and hammered it just like he had uh, the entire night. You know, when he was was fast and running up front, that's that's where he's been. You know, that was his twelfth race at at Votto in a dirt late model, and he'd always had his his best success uh, running the rim of that racetrack when it when it had, had you know like when the the track conditions kind of met his race car was where he had found the best success, and so he got up there and got after it like it owed him some money, and uh, it did. It owed him it owed him twenty six thousand dollars. He just he just had to hang on and get it done, and and uh, well, you know what was crazy. Those are the first laps he'd ever led there in an A main, too. And I, I could believe that. He, he'd won a bunch of heat races. Um, his night really was made, though. A lot of people are going to look back and look at his results and say, boy, it wasn't a, that wasn't a stellar week for Kyle. Where Kyle struggled this week, he struggled in time trials. And that, that is so much of that game um, with, with that event, with dirt late model racing, um, that, uh, that, you got to get timed in good, and so he turned that around Sunday. He was he was 12th fast on his first lap, but uh, in his group, and he was in Group B, but he was quick time overall on his second lap. So he made a 
significant improvement from lap one to lap two um, in, in his qualifying Sunday night, which, you know, got him up front in the heat race, won the heat race, uh, got him in the redraw. Redraw's going to put you in one of the front two rows. So you got a lot more things capable of going your way at that point. Are you saying that Bobby Pierce could have walked out of there last night with $100,000? That flat tire cost him a lot of money, huh? Yeah, 126 because he'd got 26 to win the race. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But he still won the championship. So, yep, he won the championship. That paid three grand to win that championship. He got 25000 as the bonus. So, And the bonus wasn't going to – it was not – and I, I, I think everybody understood this, but – I don't. I don't know if everybody did. So I'll go over it in just a second. So it was, it was twenty five thousand Saturday night because that was his fourth win, and it was a hundred thousand for five, and it was three hundred thousand for six. So it wasn't the twenty five plus what could have been the hundred. It would have been seventy five more because he got the twenty five already. And so by winning four races, he did get a twenty five thousand dollar bonus. And that was the first time since they started those uh, pay dirt jackpots um, and and the the significant bonus money that anybody's ever cashed that in. So uh, he, he still made history there, um, and, and he was incredibly fast. Uh, I, I really appreciated his uh, his honesty. I felt like he was genuine um, in his post-race interview in a situation that would have been really easy to kind of head your dauber down um, because you're right, Kirk, that, that flat tire cost them a ton of money. Um, I just – he was a pro, and I was – I was really impressed with uh, with how he handled that whole situation because that's that's not the easiest situation to deal with immediately after climbing out of the race car. I'm such a big fan of Bobby Pierce. His driving style, he's one of the more exciting race car drivers on dirt of any kind that there is out there. He is. But he's just uh, such a cool guy. What I what I like is, is um, whether that red light on the camera is on or not, He's he's the same customer. Whether you're walk up to him in his pit, not granted if he's up under his race car or something, I'm not going to go bother him. But you know if he's just hanging around his pit talking whatever, he's he's the same as if he's in victory lane or in, anytime you're on entering the pit window. Um, I, I I like him because Bobby's just who he is and and he's just real and that's that's something I really I really appreciate with with him and I and I think too you know. Um, a lot of guys will just give you, especially this day and age now, where we stream everything on dirt. We've, we've got, we've got, we've, we've reached an era here that we have formulaic answers, especially from guys that get uh, get interviewed all the time. The ones that don't really want to think about what you're asking them and don't really want to answer the questions and don't really want to be there. You know, right. you're gonna you're gonna get the hey, hey, the car's good. We got to get it dialed in. I got to thank my crew. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. I mean, those are like four gimmies that you're going to get on any broadcast any night. I don't feel like I get a lot of that from Bobby. I feel like he genuinely thinks and tries to answer the questions that are asked to him. And from my standpoint, I appreciate that too. I thought maybe the most entertaining race of the week was in the modified ranks when Terry Phillips came from back there and won that race on Friday night. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it was a, uh, I think it was a great one, and um, you know it was uh, is is neat to see him see him break through and get that one. He kind of had a mixed bag. He so the modifieds and the X mods raced on passing points, and man, Terry just got buried back in some of those heat races. And the modifieds aren't a lot unlike the late models. It's a lot tougher sledding if you have to go from 
from back in the field. And uh, at night, he uh, he started a little closer to the front, and I believe he won his heat race that night, too. I'm, I'm pretty sure he won his heat race that night. Um, it just ma- makes your whole night easier when you start up front in those heat races. And, uh, but, man, he, he got up there, and he put that race car uh, wherever he had to do it and, and made it happen. So well, that was cool. Okay. Kay Dillard was ultimately, I think, the story of the Modifieds that week. Uh, he was untouchable. Uh, got in a crash in his heat race on, oh, would have been Friday. Would have been Friday night. Got in a crash in his heat race and tore his car up pretty good. Had to work on it. Um, did not win Friday night's race. Did not win Saturday night's race, but then came back on Sunday. So uh, got the car progressively better following that accident. So. Uh, Kate had a great week, and you know he finished third on the podium in the late models. Won four modified races out of six, and won the opening night late model race. So, so hard to hard to imagine a guy all all in all having having a lot more you know much more success. Obviously, everybody's going to remember Bobby's, but uh, what Kate did this week was pretty special too. I, I feel like. Yeah, man, he yeah. he had a tremendous week in both the late model and the modifieds. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's pretty neat to see. It was neat to have Shepard in there the second week. Um, he he was kind of a a plot twist. Everybody kind of wondered what uh, what would happen there. And Shep did what what you usually expect him to do. He jumped in there and competed right away. Um, I love the scheme on that Longhorn factory car. That that black and gray. They just the race car looks so good. Um, he he looks like he's right on point and ready to go to Florida. So it was neat to see him there the the final weekend too. And, um, boy, those last three days come, come and hit hit you like a fury, and uh, you just barely have time to uh, get back to the hotel, get you some breakfast, eat, and and get back to the racetrack to get rolling the next day. It's, it's just that's what I, I really enjoy about that. Man, I had a great time out there. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to mo- most likely going back to in twenty five. So, all right, Trenton, I know that uh, you're up against the clock and trying to get your rental car turned back in yeah. so uh we'll, we'll let you go and uh we appreciate you being on uh mostly motorsports it's all brought to you by rod in supply featuring the power i midwest lightning sprints thanks so much buddy we'll talk to you here a little bit later all right great job you you bet man thank you guys i appreciate you having me on thanks for thinking of me and uh thanks for paying attention to that race that's a uh, that's truly one of the great events in, in American dirt track racing, and uh, I'm I'm thrilled to just get to play a little part in it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Trenton. Appreciate you. See you guys. See you yep, later, bye. Trenton. It was kind of fun watching Royal Jones, the owner of that uh, racetrack in Victory Lane, there talking after uh, Kyle Larson had won that race last night. Yeah, no He's doubt. a great guy too, isn't he? Yeah, no he, doubt about it. Royal Jones does more for He spends more than, money. Than, yeah. Uh, he buys more fuel than just about anybody out there. Mesilla Valley Transportation. Mesilla Valley Transportation. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. And that's a it. great facility, that Botto Speedway Park down there. I know yeah. Scotty Cook worked a while down there at Botto. He worked there for one year. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, sure. that uh, And the track prep down there was fabulous as well in yeah. all kinds of different weather conditions they had to deal with down there i thought they put on a great show for the wild west shootout yeah no doubt we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to play some sound from buddy Kofoit, 
do we got a little bit of Corey Day as well? Yeah, I got a little soundbite from Corey Day. I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, uh, they've got, uh, I, I don't know if they're open back up now, but they were closed all last week, getting the floors replaced and getting it all spruced up for the 2024 season. They might be back open for business today. I'm not really quite sure. The weather up there has been colder than hell, but uh, it, you're going to see a spruced up National Hall of Fame Museum when you go back to Knoxville this year, but they've got the sweepstakes still going on. The Corvette is uh, still uh, going to happen this year. Got a new Corvette. They're going to be giving away a torch red convertible Z06 Corvette with a Z07 performance package and $25,000 cash. Get signed up for that. They're going to draw for that the last uh, it'd be one week after the Knoxville Nationals this year. So go to winaz06corvette.com to get signed up for that. And the uh, Sprint Car Giveaway, winasprintcar.com, sweepstakes, AAA chassis with an Al Parker racing engine, 410 race-ready Sprint Car. They're going to give given away in December of next year. So go to winasprintcar.com to get signed up for that. And the Nationals, I talked with Bob Baker down at the uh, Chili Bowl and uh, a lot of exciting things going on up at the Hall of Fame. Bill Wright saw Bill W. up there as well. They had the auction at the Hall of Fame, raised a lot of money there. And so a lot of exciting things are happening at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. And they just announced the inductees for 2024 coming up. That'll be the first weekend in June. So looking forward to that. And uh, here we go, 2024, you get the Chili Bowl out of the way, Scott, and we're ready to go racing. Florida is right around the corner. Uh, I, I would love to be able to go to Florida, but I, I, I just don't know if we can afford to go down there or not, just so you know. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. When we come back, Buddy Kofoit and Corey Day. Next, right here on Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Kirk, you've got some sound from Buddy Kofoid as well, don't you? Yes, second place finisher behind Logan CB and a disappointed Buddy Kofoid because he thought he had a real shot at winning this race, and of course he did. A couple of times he was able to get out in front of Logan CB on the original start of the race. A yellow flag came out. They had to do the restart over, and Logan was able to get out in front. And another great move that Buddy Kofoid made to get the lead, only to see the yellow flag come out. And Buddy thought he had the lead at that point, but not so. And then there were some transponder issues, and we talked to Buddy about all of that when he was able to get the lead. I mean, to be honest, I thought I was the leader because we completed a whole lap and then almost the second one and the yellow came out. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's good to get the lead. And then they said uh, they're going back a lap and then that my transponder wasn't working. So I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, fixing, then they said I was going back to second. So I was a little confused about that. Um, you know, unsure. You know, like I said, I'm not saying... They're wrong and I'm right, but in my head, you know, I thought that I did take the lead and that we all completed a lap because I almost came around a second time, I thought. Um, you know, but then, you know, Logan was still really good and I felt like I could pace him on the cushion and for how treacherous it was and was right there and, you know, made a couple moves and then, you know, if he get tight, I get tight or, you know, he get away, but I feel like I could always get back to him. Just when it got to traffic, um, you know, the rubbers started to come in, and they were even with him on the bottom, and it just made it hard to slide him. But uh, they still did a really good job. And um, compared to last year, uh, night and day difference. You don't get very many chances to pass Logan Seavey. How were you able to do it the first time? Uh, he was – I when he got me on the restart, um, or on the start, the second initial start, um, you know, he went to the bottom, and, and then I was like, oh, like, just go right back to the top and just give it a try. And usually they work the bottom here a lot, and they didn't touch it at all. So, you know, I thought that I could be okay on the top, even though normally, as a rule of thumb, you don't move up until about 10 to 20. And then, uh, you know, got to him, and then he started to move up, and then, you know, I, like I said, thought it was better. I was better than him, and then got to his bumper and slid him, and then completed the pass, and... Um, completed a lap and then almost the second one then the yellow came out and in my head like I said thought I was a leader and um, that was that. And then once the green flag laps kept clicking off uh, how difficult was that maneuvering the lap traffic? He stretched out on you just a little bit. Uh, it wasn't too bad actually because I, f I think everyone we lapped was already on the bottom and just stayed down um, so there wasn't really I never had to pull out a line 
for a lapper, um, you know, I pulled out a line to try and slide him and split the difference, but then the gap closed up, so it, and I got next to Logan. It just wasn't going to work, just the angle and just the way the lapper entered, you know, to run the bottom. It, like, slowed up, and in my head, you know, down the front stretch, I was going to pull the trigger there, and, and then it just kind of closed up as I pulled out a line. But, uh, like I said, I thought I could pace him, you know, at his pace, which... I feel like I could run a little harder just running, you know, against a curb like that is just tough to run, you know, perfect laps, you know, with it being that tall and, and you know, having to base yourself off of someone can kind of trip you up easier. But like I said, I thought we were equal, if not a tick better. Just once the rubber came, it kind of got rid of a lot of the chances of me getting to him. A lot better finish than what you had a year ago. Just you walk out of here, you want to win. But still, uh, big improvement over a year ago. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot better place for sure. It's good to anytime you're in this room, you've done something good. So, you know, last year we were in a prime spot, you know, on Tuesday and was leading and had that, you know, misfortune with the lap traffic and um, kind of ruined my Saturday. And then, um, you know, this year, you know, put ourselves in prime position again and that you know I thought we were really good and um, got it done and then just were able to capitalize and build on it um, you know today and um, we're good we're right there I think we're I think we're close I think we're where we need to be and I'm, I'm happy with the car and everything and and really in myself too for not running midgets all year now to still you know run with all these guys is still good and um, just gives me a lot of confidence full schedule with the world of outlaws you're not going to get to run these midgets very much are you no i that'll be limited even more than it already was but also try and do as much as i can and um for sure do the west coast swing so um kkm mobile one and toyota have obviously make this possible for me but um you know i feel like kkm's always you know kind of been a home for me these last four years now and um you know i feel like hopefully that door is still always open where i can come and run for them so now you're done with the Chili Bowl. You focus on the full season with the Outlaws. You take a day or two off, or you get right back to work? Uh, well, I haven't been home in over a month, so it would be nice to go home and relax for a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't really have an off-season. You know, I just came from New Zealand two days before practice for Chili Bowl, and I thought that was huge to run midget races there and be competitive and bring it into here and then – um, you know, I think next Tuesday I go to Charlotte for some racing-related things, and then, um, you know, pretty soon we're right into Blue Chef. What was that experience like out in New Zealand this year? It was good. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, you know, Jason Way, um, you know, his wife Linda Way and their son Trent Way, they built a really good team for me, and they, you know, last year I ran a different car that I hadn't run before, and then this year they ordered pretty much exactly what I run here at KKM and, and were able to win a couple races and run second the other two. So had a good, strong showing. And um, like I said, I think doing that and, you know, staying sharp and just racing I think is a huge help when you can race, you know, pretty much right up to Chili Bowl. Again, racing for Keith Coons, what's it like? It's always been a dream come true. I, I said when I signed with them in Toyota, uh, four years ago now I said it changed my life and it still has um, you know it's opened the door for things that I never thought would be possible and it's made me a better driver so if it wasn't for Keith and Pete and everyone at Toyota um, I probably wouldn't even have the chance to even be standing here
There he is, Buddy Kofoid, runner-up finish at the Chili Bowl. That's his best finish ever. He's going to win one of these thrillers one year. It's only a matter of time. I, to be honest with you, I was pulling for Buddy Kofoid. Yeah, I was too. He's a yeah. great kid. Yeah, love talking to him. Great guy. And, yeah, and and just so you know, Buddy Kofoid would have been on this show today. Oh, I think so. And I'm not. I'm not throwing stones at Logan CB. He just no. tied up today. We'll catch him uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll record that interview. Right. Play it on Saturday. So yep. Logan's okay. a good guy too. But uh, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. No uh, the only other thing I was at the. High Bank Nationals a usage last year when Betty Kofoid looked like he was on his way to victory for that $250,000 payday, only to see an engine blow in that car. So that's right. uh, maybe I shouldn't show up and watch Bodie, uh, Buddy in person. Maybe that's what should happen. So I shouldn't be there to watch it. Do you have third place Corey Day? I do. Corey Day. Came down with the flu, but he still raced. Right. And came away with a third-place finish after his Wednesday night preliminary run. Here's Corey Day. He, By the way, we couldn't get a one-on-one with Corey because, you know, he was sick. You know, he did, right. he did the he, press he, conference he, he and then he out. bailed out, which right. I don't blame him right. one bit. But here's where he's – here's Corey Day in the press conference after the race on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm kind of at the beginning of my sickness, so I'm not feeling too stellar. But, um, yeah, I feel like uh, we fired off really well, um, you know, and the track still had a lot of grip in it, and it wasn't, you know, just up against, you know, the curb. Um, I feel like we were, we were really good, and uh, I could kind of make speed, you know, a half, a quarter of the lane off of it um, and kind of just minimize my mistakes that way. And then, um, you know, it, it started getting – Started getting real big there, uh, you know, out of four and out of two. And um, I, I guess my pace was just a little slow, um, you know, just trying to minimize my mistakes and, uh, you know, hoping that, you know, those two get racing and, uh, you know, hopefully maybe get we'd get to traffic and, um, you know, me just not making mistakes would, uh, you know, get me up to their bumper and uh, we could start racing. But uh, it just it didn't play out that way. And, um I just didn't, I don't think I had the car in the rubber to, you know, stay with them. Even if, you know, they would have made a a mistake. I don't think I was, I was close enough. I was just focused on not missing it. So, um, but, you know, still proud of, proud of mine, Willie, Cole, and Drew and Cole Kane's effort for, uh, you know, running third at a race like this. I know William Bob Worth worked real hard on that, that Mopar, you know, last off season to, to get it competitive. So, uh, you know, cool to come, cool to come to a race like this with a motor that uh you know knowing things that compete and uh you know run good there he is Corey day third place man that kid is going to be a future superstar in sprint car racing what do you think kurt no doubt Mm -hmm. no doubt he is going to run the full-time high limit series this year he won a lot of big races last year out on the west coast Made a couple of trips over to uh, the central part of the United States last year, but he's going to be running coast-to-coast this year with the, with the High Limit Series. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Kirk, you got anything else you want to add to the show? Uh, the incident between Cannon McIntosh and, and Thomas Messerol in the first B-Main on Saturday uh, night. Uh, hold on. They they escorted T-Mez out of the arena 
and then Emmett Hahn allowed him to come back in, right? Yeah, and that was kind of a weird thing. Uh, that had nothing. To, he didn't get in a fight with Cannon, nothing like that. Uh, but they were fighting for the final transfer spot to get into the A main. Right. And Cannon McIntosh threw a bomb on Thomas Messroll, got into him, and flipped Messroll upside down. They got the fire extinguishers going. A lot of smoke, a lot of chaos. Thomas was okay after that, but as they were spraying the fire according to him, as yeah. they were spraying the fire extinguisher in on him, he had a ratchet on his seatbelt, and and he reached down and he grabbed that ratchet off the seatbelt and he chucked it at the uh, threw it out. He didn't mean to hit anybody with it, but he, it hit some. He hit, hit the, an official. He hit with the it. guy with the fire extinguisher. That's what happened. Yeah, and so they said, and if you notice after the all the chaos when they were trying to get Thomas out of the car, you can hear somebody in the background saying, why do you got to throw stuff at us? You know, and they they said, hey, you know, you're ejected. And they took Cuddy's wristband off, and they were up there by the office. Of Flow Racing did a good job of covering that, and they were showing him being escorted out of the building. But you I, say I, Emmett I, let I, him back in. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that's what happened. But I, I, I'm not surprised that uh, Timez, he, he, he just said, it's time to go home, right? Well, he, he was done anyway. He, he, he was done was anyway at that point. But he, he didn't really know who had thrown the bomb on him. They were interviewing him coming off the racetrack, and he first thought it was Brent Cruz that did that. Right. And they said, no, it was Cannon. Oh, okay, all right. Oh. Of course, that's Cannon. Cannon, that's him. <laughs> he kind of course, he, he, he kind of threw him under the bus he a little bit. He did throw him didn't under he? the bus, yeah. but Timez was Timez, and that was that threw a nice, interesting twist into the whole evening. But we're glad that Thomas was okay. And I want to say this: Flow Racing, great job of covering the Chili Bowl this year. Proud of your effort. We know more than anyone what it takes to put this on, and from the Tulsa shootout all the way through the Chili Bowl. Grade A coverage for Flow Racing. Great job all the way around. Yep, no that's my opinion. Flow Flow does a great job with their broadcast, yep. and um, you, you you couldn't be any happier with their broadcast. They've yep. got great talent, and quite a few of our own people that we hired are still a part of that broadcast. And we're proud of that. Yeah, and you you look at the announcers in the booth, Caleb Hart. Clinton Boyles, Chris Wilner, we brought those guys on. Connor along. Wade. Uh, Connor Wade in the pit area. He's going to be doing the full-time World of Outlaws this year from the pit area. Jeff Christensen, Dean Mills. And uh, and our good friend, Ward. Brian, Brian Ward. Brian Ward. Yeah, no doubt. He's, uh, he did a great job in the infield of covering – Everything. Earl Hoon Jr., who we see all year long at Port Royal Speedway, was part of the broadcast. Chris Moore and the camera guys that you talked about, Scott, uh, Jeff Christensen, Dean Mills, and some they of the were, other. I don't know who all was working. They were the top two cameramen. Yeah. So all those guys work for us. Jeff, Jeff was the, the lead cameraman. He was on the leader, and yeah. Dean Mills was on the chase cam. And what I like about what Flow Racing did – from the Tulsa shootout, which I watched up at the farm up in Iowa all that time, 
And you and I were both down at uh, Tulsa most of the week to uh, cover that event. So we didn't see everything, but uh, we saw enough of the coverage to know that uh, the style that uh, Flow Racing had for this event is much like what we had for Racing Boys. So very proud of their effort and great job all the way around. And uh, can't wait for next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I cannot wait until we get back to the Chili Bowl Midget Nationals. Kirk, we didn't go down to the Tulsa shootout because those are really long days, right? Well, we've been there and done that. We've right? been there and done that. So we we know all about those long days at the at the you Tulsa shootout. You were going to go down for the final day of that, though, were you not? I was thinking about it, but it was just a little too cold for yeah. me. Yeah. But, uh, by the way, I've never experienced as cold a weather all the years I've been going to Tulsa as what I experienced on Saturday night. Hey, there. listen, Todd, what about our Chiefs, man? They, 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 they kicked old Miami's ass, didn't they? That was a, an experience, that game there, man. Let me tell you something. They'll be talking about that game for years because – it was so cold out there. It was so cold. And I used to go to the games with my grandfather back in the day, and they used to allow you to bring cardboard in. And and they kind of got rid of that. because The cardboard, what you did, you put that on your feet. Yeah, because, under your feet. Under your feet because it's an insulator from that concrete. But uh, they, they allowed them to bring that in yesterday. and uh, But I had many friends that went, and they said the only thing that was the worst on them was their feet. Even with the cardboard, it just it didn't do enough. Not much. That, like you said, your extremities are the first things to go. And man, Skip Bayless talked, and there was a few other guys talked about how there was not going to be any home field advantage because of how cold it was going to be. So there was going to be no noise or anything. And let me tell you something: the Chiefs fans really stepped it up. Oh, it they got, did. It got pretty damn loud it for did. being how bundled up everybody was. And I was. was surprised on how many people were in the upper deck. Absolutely. Were you surprised about that time? Well. From, so here's one of the reasons why it was really full, first of all, is uh, these tickets went on sale a long time ago, remember? So a lot of these tickets, people spent a lot of money on these tickets back oh, yeah. when they first went on sale, right? Yeah. Cause, yeah, because it was a Miami game, right? And it was, and nobody knew whether. And so, but the at, I sent Kirk and Scott both a text, $10 a piece you could pick you up a ticket on game day. 10 bucks. that's the cheapest playoff ticket you'll ever wow. see anywhere nowhere did you even think about it todd no not Never even, even not it not, not i didn't think about it one time maybe my 20 year old person you know maybe self might have might have might have thought it yeah but uh no i'm not even no, that didn't even interest me in, in one iota but i'm glad enough people did show up to make it you know look the way it did because hey, you you know what's really good about it is that tyreek hill the first time we played him, we held him to 63 yards. Yep. This year, this last game, we held him to 62 yards, yep. and and he is yep. kind of like the man on that right. on that oh, team. I'm, yeah, right. I I'm gonna and, and we held him to almost nothing. Yeah, he just had the one play. So you felt good about sending him packing. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I felt good about. Hey, that. listen. I'm not a big Tyreek Hill fan, <laughs> to be honest with you, because he runs his mouth about the Chiefs. He does a fan of him when he wore the uh, well Chiefs when he was colors, with the though, Chiefs, yeah. but but <laughs> now that he's with the Miami Dolphins, he runs his 
his freaking mouth yeah, all the time that's, that's about just, the Chiefs. Yeah, that's just what a guy does to try to psych himself up. That's that's all that is. And he, he can't look bad. He knows he took money to go to over a championship. You know what I mean? He, well, yeah. He won one, and then he could have had another one. He went for the money. He went for the money. And like you said, I don't blame Tyreek, whatever. You know, he when we signed him, if you what did he get like twenty eight million? Well, you know, when we first signed Tyreek, all he was going to be was a kick returner, right? And when we drafted that guy out of hot college, and they went to him, they said, "Is there anything else you can do?" And he says, "I can I do, can do I can do it all." And he soon became our number one. But if you remember, for five years, for the first three years he was with us, the rest of the league ho hummed Tyreek until he became. The cheetah, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. He was whole hummed over, and now he's it. But like you said, I Miami was banged up; they were hurting. They had no offensive hey, line. Hey, hey, could you just see the look on the? What, oh yeah. What when Tyreek Hill was on the sidelines, he was shivering. They they put Did on you a. See him yeah, when he they, was shivering? they put a good face on at the beginning, right? And they tried to, but if you would have seen Tyreek when he walked in to the building from the bus he said he's freezing his bits off and i knew right then right that it was not going to be an easy day for that young man don't right. you think that's a big part about it the chiefs came in with a better frame of mind absolutely about they did conditions Absol- the you know Dolphins what they- came in they were they were not ready for that you know what they- hey listen they practiced in the cold weather during the week well you know what miami tried to do right they turned the air conditions on in their practice facility and they got it down to 50 degrees well that's not that's cold enough nothing. it's cold right i mean i get it for a miamian you walk in from outside at 80 degrees or 70 and you walk into a 50 degree building that's cold but that is nothing to 12 below zero guys when did they fly into kansas city i don't remember i don't know if they flew in the day probably before. the night before if probably. it would have been me i'd have flown them in two days early and yeah, let the them practice get, get them used to the weather you've got to go out and practice in this right. crap man yeah. and you say they practiced in it all week. oh they did yeah yeah, yeah. and that, that helped them. let me tell you guys if people don't realize kansas city had a low of 16 below zero this morning not a windshield actual temperature. actual temperature was 16 below zero Wow. It's crazy cold in my garage right now. <laughs> it's just cold everywhere, yeah. guys. Like, now, if you're a Chiefs fan, today you're going to be rooting for the Steelers, right? That's right. We yeah, want no one. More, we want one more because home if game. They, if they beat, if the Steelers beat the Bills today, that means the Chiefs host another game. One more game against the Texans. That's right. If they uh, lose hey, the game, uh, they've Texas. got to travel to Buffalo. Hey, I'm not so sure that we want to play the Texans if because C.J. Stroud well, is, is a pretty damn good quarterback. But it Brent, is, but you got the game in Kansas City. In Kansas City, and it's going to be cold, right? It's going to be colder. And, and he ain't going to like that. He's a rookie quarterback. Right, no doubt. Has never done this. So, like you said, the game start, guys, here in less than uh, like a couple hours. So, uh, there's a football game on it. 3.30 Eastern time. Steelers at the Bills. That's right. And, and then, then tonight it's the Eagles at the Buccaneers. Absolutely. So there's yeah. NFL football. Like you said, it's I Mark- cannot wait. I Are, thought that was a great game last night. It was. Between the Rams and the Lions. It was Lions. a great game. It was, it was. And they had Brian Cranston, the guy from Breaking Bad, on before they had an interview with him. And he said, look, if I would have brought you this scenario of this what was going on with the quarterbacks being traded from each team and one going to the Super Bowl and now this one. He said, if you would have brought that to the Hollywood writers, 
they would have said, no, that's not believable. You know, we can't, we, <laughs> we can't, we can't make a TV show or a movie about it because nobody would believe it. But right. it's actually happening, guys. You know, that game last night was was really cool. But I'm like you. It's racing season starting in a couple weeks. Literally for everybody, I know they're racing down in Florida. Yeah. I know they're racing in Florida they're and racing da- next weekend down into Volusia in Volusia Sunshine Nationals yeah. for the dirt hey. late models, and then down oh, under as well. They're racing all over down under. So, like yeah. you said, guys, it's- Scotty Cook was trying to talk me into going down there, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, no doubt. He's on his way. I know Scotty's ready. He told me the best thing I saw was how early all of the former racing, all the racing boys and former racing boys got home. I saw everybody posting, I'm home, and I thought to myself, none of us would have been home yet if we'd have still been doing this thing because we'd still been pulling stuff out of that building, right? Well, you know, the first thing I thought about, how cold it was. It was so cold. They open up the doors so everybody can leave. How cold it was inside that building. Can you imagine these guys tearing down everything? We had one year. Building on Saturday night, not fun. Yeah, we had one year where it was so cold. That they were monitoring the back door when they were, remember, because they were pulling out all the rigs, but they would shut the door if there wasn't a rig coming because it was so cold. And I I had a friend Could of mine. Could you imagine how cold it would have been this weekend? No. Tear down. down. Just nuts. Yeah. Like you said, you're, you're already hot and tired and wore out through the week. Just that coldness is, it's a, is a, so like you said, everybody that was in the business there, guys, Man, hats off to you. I know how tough it is to break down that that stuff, and that probably is. How cold would it have been in that arena this weekend? It's just not not fun, man. It would have not well, been you know, fun. Taking all that dirt out of there. Yeah, hard, uh, they, hard. They leave those normally. They leave all those wide doors open. open as they truck all the dirt out of there. What yep. heck? A lot of that would freeze up. Oh yeah. By the honestly. time you get it all scooped up and headed out, of and there. if so you that's know, not a fun job for the teardown. When they do the chili bowl head out, guys, compared to the shootout heading out, the chili bowl, those guys are are packed and ready to roll, right? Those those guys, yeah. they got the they've got their machine that turns the their equipment and they get them pulled out and get the trailers ready. And man, they're just loading these things out the door as fast as because they're pulling them out. Right, and it's a it's a it's a three hour process of just non just ripping down all the all that stuff, and man, with those doors being open, I can't imagine how cold it was. Matt Ward, great job, uh, running the events this year, no doubt, terrific, Ashley, uh, and also two guys I want to mention that they honored during the uh, opening ceremonies that we got to work with very closely. Great guys that are retiring. Uh, Gerald Young, who is the manager of the building, is retiring after 35 years. They had a rocking chair up there for him. Yeah, right. He will be missed, and we had a we had a great time working with him. And Bart, the security guy uh, inside that building we've known for so many years, he's also stepping aside. Paul said that they're still hauling the dirt out right yeah. now. I bet they are. Yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> well, I they bet probably... it's colder than shit yeah. in that place right now. Well, yeah. people don't realize... They would, start, they would they shut the doors? Well, this year I'm sure they did. Uh, I mean, they and probably they monitored. Open them it. up as they they probably the open up out. as the dump truck goes yeah, out. Yeah, but you yeah. know as well as I do, there's the other doors at the other end of the building too, where they allow people to get out through the far side. That just creates a vacuum in there, boy. That's just a. Well, you know, it's going to be a slower process. Absolutely, tear down as cold as it was. You know, when I left the building the other night, walked out the west door. I was parked a little northwest of the arena. 
I had my stocking cap on, <laughs> gloves. I had to put my gloved hand in front of my face to block the wind as I walked to the just walk into the car after the races on my, Saturday. My friend called me from Crazy. from Tulsa, or he's a little south 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 from Tulsa, and he said the same thing. I don't get it. He said, man, I'm, I'm down here in Tulsa. It's not supposed to be as cold as it is up in Kansas. And he goes, it's right. cold down here. He said, we're breaking it, it records down cold. here. No doubt about it. There as well. And uh, I left early I to get back to Kansas. I got back about 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon thinking that maybe there's some snow had to deal with. But right. the, the roads were fine, but it was zero to five below on my thermometer as I was driving back yeah. yesterday. No so, doubt about it. Very unusual chili bowl this year. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. Again, it's all been brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Um, we can't thank our, our guests enough, Trenton Berry, Scotty Cook, Dazen Persley, and all the great sound that Kirk Elliott got down there from the, the Chili Bowl as well. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you Saturday morning on Track Talk. That'll be this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And we hope to have Logan Seavey. Have that interview, right? On Saturday's show. Yep, no yeah. doubt about it. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here on Mostly Motorsports. industrial farming equipment or race car rod and supply has the assortment of rod ends radius rods and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better giving you the edge on the track and saving you money contact rod and supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. we don't just sell them we race them rod and serving the racing community for over 30 years